Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Hey, welcome to Vintage Church. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner and I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church. We are in part two, week two of our series called Responsibility. Last week, we talked about your responsibility. That is the church's responsibility. Here at Vintage, we call our members Vintage Partners. Your responsibility within the church this week We're turning and we're looking at our responsibility. That is my responsibility as well as the other pastors of Vintage Church. And we're really doing this because we're setting the stage for a very important event in the life of Vintage Church. Tonight, that is Sunday, August 8th at 5 p.m., we are ordaining and enlisting one of our newest pastors into the life of of Vintage Church. You know him. He's our music arts director, Mark Anthony Thomas. And it is such an important thing, so important that I felt like it was necessary for us to talk about the church and its leaders for two weeks. And so I want to remind you tonight, Sunday, August 8th, 5 p.m., here at Vintage Church, we're going to be celebrating Mark Anthony's ordination, having his ordination service, praying over him, laying hands on him, affirming the call that God has placed on his life. And I can't encourage you enough, especially if you're a Vintage Partner, to be here for this because this is an opportunity for you to not only support Mark Anthony, but also to do your job and your part, your role as a Vintage Partner in affirming the call that God has placed on Mark's life to be a pastor, especially a pastor in the life of Vintage Church. And so that's tonight, and that's why we're talking about today, our responsibility One of the statements that I believe in and I live by is this, everything rises and falls on leadership, everything, everything rises and falls on leadership, especially in the church. Yes, we talked about it last week, right? Vintage Partners, the church is so important, but there's a reason that God created his church to have both members of the church and leaders of the church. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is the main idea of this message. It is this, your pastors, that is Me, Dustin Turner, your executive pastor, Matt Brichetto, your ministries pastor, Matthew Weaver, and your soon-to-be music arts pastor, Mark Anthony Thomas. We fulfill our responsibility to you when we shepherd Vintage Church willingly, eagerly, and humbly. That's what we're going to see today from 1 Peter chapter 5. We were in 1 Peter chapter 4 last week. Today we're going to look at just the first four verses in 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 4. Here's what the Apostle Peter writes to the church. He says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. What's he exhorting? What's he challenging? Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God, 
Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory." So what is our responsibility? What is my responsibility to you as the lead pastor of Vintage Church? Simply put, one word, one verb, one action. It is to shepherd. That is what Peter says. Peter says, I exhort the elders among you. And then what does he say? To shepherd the flock of God. In the New Testament, what we find is that there are three words that are used to refer to the office or role of pastor. Number one, it is the word elder, which is why Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Now that word originally meant simply older person, but that carried over and became a title for pastors. Why? Because typically an older person is a leader who has what? Wisdom. And so the pastors were to be people who are wise. So there was elder. The second word was the word overseer. In 1 Peter chapter 5, when he says exercising oversight, that is the verb form of the word overseer. It's the word that we get the word bishop from. So you have elder, overseer, and then lastly, it's used more as a verb than a noun, you have the word pastor. Those three words are used synonymously in the New Testament to refer to the office of what we call pastor. In our culture, that's what we refer to most often. So that's the office of the responsibility that Peter gets at is shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now, here's the thing. I don't know anybody in our church, and to be honest, I've not connected to anybody personally that owns sheep or goats and they shepherd, right? In our culture, 21st century, Western United States, uh, there's not many shepherds. In the ancient world, shepherding was very common. And even if you weren't a shepherd, you were aware of what it looked like to be a shepherd. In the Old Testament, the idea of shepherding was a common metaphor for leadership. And so in his book, Biblical Eldership, Alexander Strach describes for us what it means to shepherd the church. Look at what he says in describing shepherding the flock. The biblical image of a shepherd caring for his flock. Look at some of the images here. Standing long hours ensuring its safety. Leading it to fresh pasture and clear water. Carrying the weak. Seeking the lost. Healing the wounded and sick is what? Precious. The whole image of the Palestinian shepherd is characterized, and these words are so important, by intimacy tenderness, concern, skill, hard work, suffering, and love. If, if you're wanting to get an idea of what a shepherd does and the characteristics required from a shepherd, this is a great place to start. 
This is what it means to be a shepherd. Now, there's a couple of things that Peter gets at that are important for us to recognize. Number one, he talks about shepherding, but then he says, shepherd the flock of whom? Whose flock is it? It is God's flock. The church is not yours. The church is not mine. I don't own Vintage Church. It's not my church. It's God's. And that's so important. That is so important for us to remember. Absolutely, we're talking about it. We have a responsibility, but I don't own it. When we talk about generosity, what do we say? We are stewards. We are managers, not owners. The church is the same way. We steward the church. And at the same time, look at what Peter says. Shepherd the flock of God that is what? Among you. This is really important for us, especially in our day and age. I am responsible for Vintage Church. I'm not responsible for the church down the street. I'm not responsible for the church on the West Coast or the East Coast or in the North or in a different state. I am responsible for Vintage Church in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's my church. That is our pastor's church. That's so important. This is my flock that God's put me in charge of. One of the things that I joke often about when I'm with other parents and their kids is I talk about my belief in co-parenting. And all of this started with a trip that my family took with Pastor Matt Brichetto, Pastor Rob Wilton, our founding pastor, and another pastor. And we went on a beach trip, and uh, when I go to the beach, the thing that I want to do is sit at the beach and read. In fact, I bring a big stack of books, and that's my goal. So I go out to the beach, and I take my kids out with me, and I bring my bag of books, and I'm sitting reading, and then a few hours later, Rachel comes out, and Rachel's like, hey, where's Emmeline? Did you see where Emmeline went? And I'm like, I think she's like around us, right? And I put my book down and we started to realize, like, we can't find Emmeline. She was like a mile and a half down the beach, hanging with another family, uh, making friends with strangers, right? My daughter doesn't know a stranger. And I got in a lot of trouble, but I said, listen, I'm not the only adult around here. There were like five other adults. They can't keep an eye on my kid. I keep an eye on their kids when they're not around, right? That's co-parenting. What God is saying through the Apostle Peter is there's no such thing as co-parenting when it comes to the church. The church that he has placed me in as a pastor, that's my responsibility. So we are to shepherd God's flock and we're responsible for the church that is among us. Now, Peter does something really interesting in verse 2. He says, the shepherd the flock of God that's among you, and then he gives a synonym for shepherding. He says, exercising oversight. Now, again, I, I shared this word. That word, exercising oversight, is the verb form of overseer. And I know we don't like the word oversight. We think about our boss, you know, breathing down our necks and making sure we're getting our work done. But very simply, the idea of exercising oversight is to have responsibility for the care of someone. So, I mean, think about whether if you're a parent or if you have older parents that you're responsible for. You're, it's, you're exercising oversight because you care for them. 
So here's the thing. What does it mean, and this is really important for us to understand, what does it mean to shepherd or exercise oversight? How do we break this down? And I think there's four simple functions of a shepherd, pastor, overseer. Number one, you have to know the flock. To know the flock. That means you have to have significant personal interactions and relationships with those who are a part of the church. I am not going to be able to know everything about everyone in the life of Vintage Church, but part of my responsibility is I should be working to build relationships with the people of Vintage Church. I have to know them. Number two, I have to lead them. What this means for me as the lead pastor of Vintage is I have to set the vision. Where does God want to send us? I have to constantly clarify this is our purpose. This is our mission. The things that keep the church running, I'm responsible for. I'm leading the direction of the church. So I have to know, I have to lead. Number three, I have to feed. I am, as the lead pastor of Vintage, the primary preacher for Vintage Church. And that's part of my responsibility as a pastor to share the Word of God with you that you would grow in your faith. Know, lead, feed, lastly, protect. A shepherd protects the flock from dangers. And that could be anything from if I see somebody uh, beginning to think about a false teaching or considering walking away from the faith, or they've simply uh, no longer prioritized the church and their spiritual growth, and we haven't seen them or we haven't heard from them, right? Protecting is going after them, pursuing the sheep. So a, a shepherd, a pastor, is to know, lead, feed, and protect the church. That's where Peter begins. Our responsibility as pastors is to, first and foremost, shepherd. Now, what Peter does next is he describes how we're supposed to shepherd. So if we're to shepherd, how are we to then shepherd? Number two, we're to shepherd willingly. Look at what he says at the, in the middle of verse two. He says, shepherd the flock among you, exercising oversight, how? Not under compulsion, but willingly. Doing it willingly. This means what? That my leadership of you, my desire to be your pastor, should not be reluctant. I shouldn't be like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. As well as it shouldn't be forced. No one should be making me do this. I want to lead. I want to be your pastor. So not under compulsion, but willingly, meaning it should be done freely or voluntarily. Now, this is really important for, for you as Vintage Church. I really want to encourage you in this, and I don't have a, uh, an instance in mind, so don't hear, don't, don't hear me out and don't think I'm, I'm saying something that I'm not. But I think this is important for us as church members to remember and understand Never force or manipulate your pastors to do something they don't want to do willingly. Because I recognize that so many of us have thoughts and opinions and maybe agendas, but if you are a partner of Vintage Church, 
part of what you do is submit yourself willingly to the leadership of Vintage Church and therefore its pastors. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have conversations. If you have concerns, you shouldn't bring those up. But there should never be uh, a desire to force or manipulate something within our pastors. Because the pastors should want to shepherd, lead willingly, right? Anybody you love, you're willing to do something willingly for. My wife, Rachel, loves when I scratch her back. Now, here's the thing. Rachel, most, more often than not, asks me to scratch her back at the most inopportune times. I've told you this before. I'm not a night owl, so I will be on the couch falling asleep at like 8, 8.30, and that's when Rachel's getting her second wind, and she wants me to scratch her back. It's an incredibly inopportune time for me, but I willingly scratch her back. Why? Because I love her. In the same way, as pastors, we should be willing to lead, serve, and help however we can. Why? Because we love you. I shepherd you willingly because I'm called by God. This is something that God wants me to do with my life, and because I love you. I love the church. I want to do it willingly. So we are to, Peter says, shepherd the flock. First, we're to do it willingly. Next, we are to shepherd the church eagerly. Into verse 2, he's carrying on this idea of shepherding, and he says we're not to shepherd for shameful gain, but eagerly. Now, what does Peter mean there? What does it mean to shepherd for shameful gain? The idea of shameful gain is this. You're shepherding because of a desire for or a love of money. Now, we've talked about that in light of generosity, right? In the New Testament, as a Christian, there is no place for greed. No one, including the pastor of a church, should be greedy. Now, money and the love of money are two very different things. Money is a necessity. You have to provide housing for yourself. You have to provide food for yourself, drink for yourself, the necessities of life. You have to take care of your kids. You have to pay your bills. Money's necessary. But the love of money is not necessary. The love of money is a trap. It will lead you. It will deceive you and lead you to a dangerous place. I think this is important because I know pastors often get like all they want is my money, right? That's not true. Yes, they're out there, right? There are people preaching, send me all of your money, God will bless you. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. The Bible does teach that the leaders of the church, the pastors of the church, should be paid. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. Here's what he says. Let the elders, remember, synonymous term with overseer, pastor, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of what? Double honor. And he's going to explain what that is, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Verse 18, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And Jesus said this, the laborer deserves his wages. See, what Paul is getting at is that if you have pastors among you 
and you can, you should pay them. You should support them. But here's what I want you to see and understand. There's a difference between having your needs met and having a desire for more. I would say this to myself as well as the rest of our pastors and any other pastor that hears this. If you are going into pastoral ministry simply to make as much money as you possibly can make, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. But if you are going into pastoral ministry because God has called you, you've been gifted, and you love the church, and you want the church to take care of your needs, that's not a wrong reason. But do not, this is what Peter is getting at, do not allow money to be the driving force. Rather, what we are to do is we're to shepherd eagerly, meaning there should be a natural zeal and energy and an enthusiasm about why we are doing what we're doing. We're, we're motivated not by money, right? Think about something that you love. I love books, I love music, I love movies, I love my family. You don't have to pay me to talk about those things. I do it I do it eagerly because I'm enthusiastic. I like them. And I want to tell you about the things that I like. In the same way, that's how you and I, that's how we should pastor the local church. Now here's the thing. Here's another caution or warning. Again, I'm not saying this has happened or it's happening or going to happen in the life of vintage, but I think it's so important. Never use your generosity to threaten your pastors. Now, I have heard of this happening in other churches where a member who gives you know, a good portion says, listen, if you don't do this, I'm going to stop giving. That's not what we should be doing. As church members, we should not be threatening the pastor to say, listen, if you're not going to do what I want you to do, then I'm going to pull my giving. Because what you're doing is you're not allowing your pastor or pastor's to shepherd you eagerly. You're beginning to tie money to everything he does and every decision they make. I'm not eager to preach, counsel, serve, lead, or do anything in the hopes that you'll give more. I'm eager to shepherd you, Vintage Church, because I love you. And that should be the motivation for why a pastor shepherds the church. So Peter says we are to shepherd willingly, we're to shepherd eagerly. Lastly, in verse 3, he says this, we are to shepherd humbly. Look at what he says in verse 3. He says we're to shepherd not domineering over those in your charge, but being what? Examples to the flock. Now, the idea of domineering over, it, it's got this meaning. It's to exercise dominion against someone to one's own advantage. So you're leading somebody and you're not thinking about their good. You're thinking about what can you get out of it. That's what it means to domineer over someone. Now, here's the thing. In our day and age, and I shared a little bit of this last week, in our day and age, we're seeing a ton of, it, of bad examples 
Right, right now, something that's very popular is uh, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, that podcast by Christianity Today. And there's so much in that podcast that as a pastor right now, I'm processing and thinking through and reflecting on and hopefully learning from. And listen, what happened at Mars Hill is not the only example. But here's what I want you to see. What I want you to see is that that is not the example that Peter gives. Now, listen, here's the deal. Exercising authority and domineering over someone are two very different things. In our day and age, in our culture, one of my fears is that exercising authority and submitting to authority is becoming something that people look down upon, that we shouldn't exercise authority, we shouldn't submit ourselves to authority. That's not what Peter is saying. There's a difference between exercising authority and domineering over someone. Here's the thing. You can exercise authority and not be a jerk. You can lead somebody and not be mean to them. This isn't new with Peter. This is, this is what Jesus taught Peter and the other disciples. Look at what Jesus says about being an example to the flock in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 42 and through, 40, through 45, the disciples come to Jesus and they're jockeying for position. They know that he's the Messiah, he's the king, and they want to sit at his right hand and his left hand, and they're jockeying for position. And look at what Jesus says to them. Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it. If you underline or circle in your Bible, circle lord it. That is the same word that Peter uses in 1 Peter chapter 5 for domineering. We know that the Gentiles lord it over them or domineer over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be what? Your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be what? Slave of all. For even, here's Jesus saying, I'm the example for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This passage is the perfect example of what servant leadership looks like. It's not about domineering. It's not about lording over. Yes, you're exercising authority, but you're doing it humbly. You're doing it as a servant. Jesus, in all of his examples in the Gospels, he was Lord. He was leading the disciples. He was Lord over all of humanity. God incarnate with flesh. But he still humbled himself. He exercised authority and at the same time humbled himself. Again, in his book, Biblical Eldership, Alexander Strach gives this incredible a word about the significance of pastors providing the example. Look at what he says. He says, If elders are petty tyrants who lord their authority over the local church, others will follow their example, abusing and fighting one another to gain power and recognition. 
If the elders are examples of uncompromising fidelity to Scripture, then the congregation will be loyal to Scripture. If the elders trust God, the people will trust God. If the elders love God and His people, the people will love. If the elders are peaceful, gentle, loving, and prayerful, the church will emulate their pattern. If the elders are servant leaders, the church will be marked by what? Christ-like, humble servanthood. This is true in any area of life, right? As my kids get older, Gabe's going to be 10, Emmeline's going to be 7, it is scary what my kids hear from me. And it's, it scares me to think, like, I'm showing them this, I'm modeling this behavior, or I'm modeling how to talk to somebody when I might act out in my flesh and not by the Spirit. They're following my example. And what Peter is saying is, listen, pastor, if you are going to lead the church then it's your responsibility to shepherd people humbly. Don't lord it over them, but rather give them an example of how they're to live their life. One of the scariest things for me in the Bible is anytime Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And for the longest time, that, that, that really bothered me because I, I would say, to Paul rhetorically, Paul, wouldn't you rather tell the people that you're leading to look to Jesus and follow Jesus? But here's the thing about leadership. If you are a leader, they want people are following a visible example. And the best way for you to show your people how to follow Jesus is for you to do it yourself. So we shepherd humbly. We shepherd so people see this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And this is what it looks like to be like Jesus. Vintage partner, God forbid you ever feel as though your pastors are abusing their authority over you. I don't take it lightly, nor do I take it for granted that God has placed me over vintage church to lead you and my hope is that i would shepherd you willingly eagerly and humbly that's my hope for every single pastor of vintage church that's my hope for every single pastor of vintage church when i'm dead and gone when i'm no longer here and there's pastors that are pastoring vintage that have never known me personally i pray that they lead vintage church Willingly, eagerly, and humbly. Now notice how Peter ends this section talking to the pastors and leaders of the church. Look at what he says in verse 4. And when the chief shepherd, so pastors, we're all just under shepherds of the chief shepherd, Jesus when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. See, the work that I do, the work that Pastor Brick does, the work that Pastor Weaver does, the work that Pastor, soon-to-be Pastor Mark Anthony does, is ultimately for the glory of Jesus. 
And my prayer is that when we get to the end of our life and we stand before Jesus and Jesus returns, He can look at us and He can give us this unfading crown of glory because we've shepherded the church well. One of the ways in which we try to do this and we try to be committed to you as Vintage Church is found in our Vintage Partner Covenant. When you become a Vintage Partner, we make a covenant together. The pastors of the church covenant with the members of the church. And in the covenant are, yes, commitments that the church makes as a Vintage Partner, but there are also commitments that the pastors make. And I just literally want to read these to you so you know them, And so myself, as well as the other pastors of Vintage Church, are reminded of them. Number one, we commit, the pastors of Vintage commit to love God and to love our families above all things. Number two, we commit to care for our partners and seek their growth in Christ. Number three, we commit to provide teaching and counsel from the whole counsel of God's word. Number four, we commit to help in time of need. Number five, we commit to lead as elders and deacons under the guidelines found in God's Word. Number six, we commit to pray for our partners regularly. Number seven, we commit to be on guard against false teachings. Number eight, we commit to exercise church discipline when necessary. Number nine, We commit to help our partners become equipped to serve Christ. And number 10, we commit to follow Scripture and the Holy Spirit in regard to the future plans for the church. Lastly, and this is almost straight out of 1 Peter chapter 5, we commit to lead by example. My hope Vintage Church, is that as long as I serve as your lead pastor, I commit to you that myself and your pastors will always strive to shepherd you willingly, eagerly, and humbly. And I pray that as we do that as your pastors, that you will continually submit to, your, to our leadership and follow us as we follow Jesus. I'm not going to get it right all the time. Our other pastors, we're not going to get it right all of the time. You're not going to get it right all of the time. But may we be committed to one another, knowing that our intentions are to care for one another and to love one another, and we will do everything we can to remain connected to one another within the church, to be responsible for our responsibilities. Because that's the thing. You, as a part of Vintage Church, as a member of God's church, have a responsibility. I, as a pastor of Vintage Church, have a responsibility. May we both be faithful to fulfill the responsibilities that God has called us to. May we be for Jesus and his church. Let's pray. Father, we love you.
and we thank you for your church. Father, I thank you, God, that you not only saved me to be a part of your church, but you have called me out to be a pastor in your church. At the same time, Father, I am so extremely thankful for Vintage Church that this is not only the place where I lead, but this is my home. And I simply pray, God, that as the lead pastor of Vintage Church, I would be challenged and encouraged to follow Peter's teaching. And that the church, Vintage Church, would understand what we as pastors are called to, to shepherd willingly, eagerly, and humbly. And that we both, as partners and pastors, will fulfill the responsibility you've called us to within your church. Help us now, Father, as we respond to you. We love you. We thank you for loving us. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.